You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanashevsky. Hey everybody, welcome to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast hosted by yours truly, Natasha Stanchewski. I am here in Calgary, Alberta, where it is still as smoky as it was last year. And over in the big smoke, do we still call it that, Al? Over no, no, we don't. No, we don't. Really call it that, no, please. Do Please refrain from calling it the big smoke. Okay. No, you know, I think I, I think it's referred for I think I, I think the six is probably the, the most current reference, but we'll just call it Toronto. How about that? Well, it's a, and it's a rainy, ugly, messy day in Toronto. Um, um in the six or in the big smoke, if you prefer. Right. <laughs> wah, wah. Okay, well let's here for this uh second episode of our sports podcast where we mix in a little bit of betting here and there. Uh, how are things? What stood out to you this week? Good. You know what? I'll, thanks for asking. First of all, I love, uh, I love. I'm happy to be back. It's uh, I had a good time doing this last week, so it's good to uh, it's it's good to be invited back. Um, the week has been busy. It's it's funny. You know, we always talk about in the gambling business uh, how the summertime in North American sports is a dead season. And it's funny, there's there's headlines in all of the major sports this week, even though the seasons aren't on. So there's NHL stuff happening, obviously, with the free, agents, friends, uh, free agency frenzy. There's NBA draft happening, a lot of NFL football news, and, of course, the Olympics still going on. So, yeah, it's been it's been a busy week, but I'm excited to, uh, to do a weekend review with you. You're right. It's been a lot. It feels like almost every single sport, there is something to talk about. Um, I mean, the Olympics, we might as well pick it up there because that's still sort of like the lead story, I would say. And for the Canadians, the women are the lead story. They are tearing it up. They are absolutely killing it. Um, And it has been a joy to watch. Women, obviously, they just don't get the same amount of coverage as men do. Not even close. Like, not not even close at all. This has been a hot topic lately more than ever before and so for me i for everyone i think i just love turning on the tv and i just love to see them on there just killing it leading the way absolutely i couldn't agree more about you know not getting the same recognition for you know the same amount of skill and the same amount of effort that goes into you know into into their events and uh i mean i can say i've never been a fan of canadian swimming before just because i didn't know about it Mm-hmm. But I can now name all the swimmers, and I'm I'm happily watching and cheering on with uh, with with Penny as she goes to you know okay, kind of on, on her journey to become the most decorated Olympian, which is an amazing feat, right? So I've been very excitedly watching the women's uh, swimming and the and the women's rowing. Funny enough, those that's been the one that's really attracted me uh, for some reason this mm-hmm. uh, this year. I, I love the you know I, it's there's always a lot of kind of momentum shifts, and you can see them very visibly, right? Just because I guess the measurements of the boats, you can see the the you know how the impact of somebody starting to sprint at one point and then slowing down at another point. And it just, it's really cool to see it all play out in front of you. So I've been really enjoying the women's, uh, the, the women's rowing and the women's swimming. Those have been my two favorites so far. Okay. Have you ever rowed before? Never. I, you know what? At the cottage, uh, in, in a kayak for about seven minutes. And then I complain about my triceps for about three hours and get a beer. So that's the extent of my, my rowing, uh, my rowing prowess. Yeah, it's tough. I remember when I went to the University of Alberta way back when I was had all these big hopes and dreams and aspirations of joining the rowing team, like just the fun team, not like the actual competitive team. But part yeah. of it was 
getting down to the North Saskatchewan River at 6 a.m. because row, rowers do their thing <laughs> in the morning, and I am not a morning person, and 6 a.m. just did not work. <laughs> so you can't row at 2 o'clock in the afternoon after brunch or anything, I suppose, I mean, right? Not at that time. I could not find <laughs> a rowing club that worked for me. But, yeah, it is super tough. I mean, I had a rowing machine during COVID, actually, in my okay. – which I don't know if it's anything similar to what they're doing on the water. I'm sure what they're doing on the water is a million times more difficult. But I agree with you. I love watching the rowing. I think it's such a fascinating team sport. Like, I think Absolutely. it's so on all together, you know, the whole – like synchronized 100% 100% absolutely and but well you know one other point about uh the women's sports I've been watching is women's three-on-three basketball is Mm. awesome uh I got a chance to watch the uh, the I think it was the France team and I can't remember they were playing uh but the amount of skill it's it's very and one mixtape ish the way it works it's it's very it's very creative and the fact that there's no real break I mean in my experience playing a little bit three-on-three on you know pickup yeah. Is when you score a basket, you stop and you go and you take the ball and you check out at the top. And in this, it's not. They get the ball and it's just it, it's it's a continuous motion. So I was really really enjoying that as well. It was it was something new for me. But uh, and those women can those women can hoop for sure. Kate, I didn't. This is news to me. I didn't know there so were cool. three on three. I haven't even seen it. Absolutely. I, you know what? I happened to turn the TV on and I and I, and I saw it. And I also got a chance to watch some of the skateboarding, which I thought was super cool. Okay. I assumed it would be more like a, like a gymnastics floor routine where they're going through a skate park, but it was more like a, a one-off trick kind of thing where, you know, you, you kind of, you, you make an attempt at a certain trick and the level of difficulty and everything else. Really, really super cool the way they score it. Um, and lastly, I actually watched judo as well, and I still have no idea what they're doing and how they score it. <laughs> it was super fun to watch. I watched it for a good couple of hours, and I'm as clueless now as I was when I started. It was fun to watch, but I have no idea how, how, they, how that scored. Yeah, I, I'm guessing it's very technical. And if you don't, if you've never judoed before, then it's hard to yes. figure that one out on the fly. Surfing, <laughs> I think, is also a new one at the Olympics, Absolutely. right? Which I'm not sure if they've had it yet. I haven't seen that. I I'm, I don't know if we're going to have any Canadians in that one necessarily, but... don't know, yeah. I'm out. pretty sure I saw some surfing on yesterday. I think I saw some... I think it was a medal ceremony to be honest. So I didn't get a chance to see, I don't know for sure. Don't quote me again. I've been a little bit away for the last couple of days uh, in terms of the Olympics, but I'm pretty sure I saw something yesterday. Um, and track is starting today, yes. right? All the yeah. track and field events. I saw some high jump stuff starting today and four by ones, I think, or four by two hurdles. Uh, so yeah, that's really exciting. That's always, you know, kind of one of the pinnacles of the, uh, of the summer Olympics is the fastest person on the planet is always right. a fun, uh, kind of a fun title to watch. Well, we clearly need to catch up on some things. I mean, I think this is what has struck me a little bit about the Olympics is you and I sit around sort of doing nothing for months and weeks and these guys are training and then all of a sudden it's just bam and there's no easing into it. It's just not at all competition and game and sport after like it's just crazy how fast it gets. Absolutely. They're just at their prime and, and ready to rock. All these uh, it's amazing, you know, and the time zone thing doesn't help for sure, right? Obviously, when we're cozy in our beds, uh, that's when all the all the pushes are happening towards the podium, and that's that's uh, I, I'm used to being up early, so I'm trying to get up and watch some stuff in the morning, and, and my son's an early riser as well, so he likes to come over and watch some stuff in the morning. But uh, uh, it's you know, it, it's a little easier when time zones are a little more kind of confluent with uh, with what we're doing, right? Well, like you said, I mean, and we said it last week too, hockey, you can talk about any time of the year. Oh, man. Of course, it was free agent frenzy. And you actually don't know if it's going to be a frenzy or not. But this one was. There was a lot of action um, that went down. For me, the fact that Seattle 
picked up Philip Grubauer was pretty crafty. We were talking about how they didn't really have a solid goaltender. And absolutely, what do you know? They pick up a pretty good one. So pretty good one. Pretty right. good one for sure, right? Absolutely. It's funny we talked about just talking about this. It's like we know what we're talking about here. We talked about them not making that splash with Carey Price, and what are they going to do between the pipes? And do they have a number one goalie? And they go get the the Vesna finalist, uh, and they and they outbid Colorado. So you, again, you can see the definition of the strategy, right? Building from the back with a solid goaltender, really good defenseman. I think they still have a, a little problem with the scoring side of things, but again, there's uh, there's, there's a lot of time left between now and uh, you know and, and the start of the season. Mm-hmm. The one thing I would say that we are not, uh, how do I put this? We Last week we called Mark Bergevin brilliant. Oh would, my goodness. I, I know what you're going to talk about. And, and I don't actually, I don't want to spend a, time, a ton of time on this because I just, I don't understand it. It makes me crazy. I don't get it. But what, like. It's ridiculous. Asked, he asked not to be drafted. Like, it's really simple. Please don't draft me. And then they draft him. So. It's, the fact that we called Bergevin brilliant and then a few days later he does that, I just I throw up my hands at that whole situation. I am eating my words as well because uh, I believe I heaped lots of praise on the organization and Bergevin specifically last week for their performance in the in the expansion draft. But that is ridiculous. I think we should absolutely introduce like a like a come on moment of the week. Right. And that would be the quality that, that this is the come on moment. And, and now listen. We can have a positive moment of the week as well. It could be the come on, right? Penny Oleksiak is going to be our, you know, our most decorated Olympian. Right. Let's cheer for her. But in this case, I think it's completely justifiable to be a like, come on, come on, dude. Um, I, I, to, uh, like you, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I think it draws attention to something that you know it, that is just so negative, and we had, you know, it's not the point of this uh, this podcast. But uh, absolutely agreed. It's one hundred percent ridiculous. Okay, so thumbs down for. Uh... Mark Bergevin and the Habs yep. and possibly this one is kind of interesting to um, the a thumbs down perhaps for the Golden Knights who really have done no wrong or very little wrong since they came um, into the league I think but they went and traded Mark Andre Fleury and apparently didn't tell him the, 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 worst. the face <laughs> of their franchise I would but was, is he the face of their franchise? I would say so. He's been. Like, I think so. Right. I think so. Yeah. I, I think there's a couple others you could you could bring a couple other names in there as well. But I think he's the most yeah uh, the most lovable, right? I mean, like it's to, to use the word. Like, I think I think he is a, a kind of a, you know, a lovable character. I'm, I'm amazed he's not going to finish his career in uh, in Vegas. And yeah. well, I think he's amazed too because apparently he didn't know. Apparently he found out on Twitter, which is um, awful and. Of course, his uh, agent, Alan Walsh, who likes to stir up stuff yeah, all the time, cool. tweeted about it. And he doesn't know if Flurry wants to go there. He's evaluating his situation. Uh, Pittsburgh might be in the mix, though. So that's a little that. bit curious. But, like, if you're a player and you're not finding out from your team that you're traded, you're finding out on totally. Twitter, like, how brutal is that? It's awful. It's awful. Okay, so but, oh, hang on. So where is – I completely agree that's horrible. It's unprofessional. Um, is your issue with the trade itself or with the way it was communicated to him? Because, I mean, in some circles, some people are going to say, if you get away from a $7 million cap hit with nothing on your books, like literally they're taking nothing back from this. Right. Uh, that is, you know, that is a move that some would say is actually pretty smart. Now you would expect that to translate into some sort of big splash on the free agent market, which didn't happen. So it's a little confusing as to why they would clear the cap space. Maybe it's in preparation for, you know, something else, but I don't, 
I don't hate the move necessarily. The communication was horrible. Uh, agreed. So where's your where do you how do you feel about the move itself uh, in terms of moving him to uh, you know to to a team for literally nobody? Sorry, yeah, you're, you're right in that it doesn't. And in terms of business, it it you can definitely make a case for it. But just the way they handle this, I would say you don't move a Vezina winner, the Vezina Trophy winner. You don't. I don't know. You don't handle like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Hockey trivia for you. Do you know the last goalie, last Vesna winner to be traded before the next season started? Jeopardy. Not a clue. I am the worst at trivia. The worst. Uh-huh. I looked it up this morning. Um, Dominic Kashuk. In oh. I think it was 2001, Buffalo traded him to Detroit, I believe, in a similar kind of you know, situation. So, yeah, I thought it was – I actually was of the opinion that this has never happened before, which is – you know, I thought it was such a rare thing to have somebody who is literally the best in the league at what he does and then, you know, before the next season starts without any real, you know, uh, injury implications or, you know, anything else is all of a sudden traded to uh, – and for nobody, effectively, right, for, uh, for, for, for a cap uh, as, as a cap. So that's interesting, I thought. Uh, we'll see how Vegas, you know, what they do going, what what the plan is with all this cap room they've created, and see what uh, if they continue to look to make a you know kind of a bigger splash um, uh, in the NHL. And it actually it might be an, a happy ending for Mark Andre Fleury, possibly if Pittsburgh could figure out a way to fit him into the mix. I don't know enough about their team off the top of my head to know if that's a possibility, but yeah. um, if it could work out like that, it wouldn't wouldn't be the worst. That would be pretty. Like I like to go back to to the Penguins. That would be a pretty good storyline, wouldn't it? Right, you kind of get to go back to where you were originally, and he's obviously loved in that city, uh, you know, tremendously. So that would be a pretty cool way to, for this to, you know, to to, to relieve itself. But uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see how it works. I again, I don't I don't I understand that there's a business side of this, and uh, and I don't hate the move on the Vegas side. You know, as we talk about the business side of this, I'm going to bring it back to the NFL for a quick second, if that's okay with you. I know we've talked about our obligatory hockey, but just because I I'm so intrigued by this Aaron Rodgers. Thing. And I know we're still six weeks, five weeks away from the NFL. Um, but, you know, speaking from a betting perspective, you know, being a gambling person, being in the online gambling business for a long time, I know uh, in Canada, betting dollars go mostly towards the NFL. So NFL is a big storyline that we, you know, we can touch on. And it's interesting, especially this Aaron Rodgers story and what kind of uncertainty that has caused within the betting lines and how that's reflected in the betting lines now that he's reported to camp. Um, what are your thoughts initially on Aaron Rodgers? So he said, I'm not going to do this. I hate the GM. I hate the coach. I'm not right. coming back to play. And then he shows up on what Tuesday or Wednesday of this week and has a kind of a lengthy press conference. What'd you think? Which I loved. I loved that he spoke plainly because rarely, I shouldn't say rarely, but you get a lot of cliches from athletes a lot of the time and he could have danced around a lot of things, but he, I think he made it pretty clear that he was unhappy with a lot of things with the coach and GM and he didn't try to hide it. And he, I think probably came away um, even a bigger fan of his teammates, sort of, right? Like he just spoke about his teammates. He's there for those guys. Uh, and that's kind of, that's kind of it. Very much so. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think, uh, the certainty of having him under center, I mean, again, we talked about, you know, uh, um, the, the MVP previously, he was the MVP of the NFL last year, right? I mean, so it's amazing to think that he wasn't going to be under center again. And they, it gives them an automatic kind of, chance at the Super Bowl when you the NFL is such a quarterback driven league that you know having one of the top three arguably in the league maybe top two maybe top one you never know um gives them a, a, a significant leg up uh we talked about betting lines earlier so 
when there was some uncertainty in terms of the situation with the quarterback, the team total, the estimated wins for the Green Packers was at eight and a half at most books. I'm going to talk in aggregate here at most books. As of Tuesday, that moved up to ten and a half. So immediately they gave him two credit for two more wins over the course of the year just because of the stability of uh, of, of Aaron Rodgers. Nice. Um and even more so, so the first first week is Green Bay Packers at New Orleans Saints. As recently as last Saturday, the Saints were a two-and-a-half to three-point favorite, depending on which book you were looking at. Uh, and as of Tuesday, that is flipped totally to Green Bay being a minus two-and-a-half or three-point favorite, which in the gambling world, that kind of flip is it's dramatic, right? That, that That's significant. So the amount of movement that the just his showing up to camp and seeing seeing seemingly uh being settled has has caused in the betting lines is uh it's, it's pretty remarkable interesting well i mean yeah he carries a lot of clout clearly so basically yeah that i can i can i mean like we said i don't know a lot about betting but that makes a lot of sense to me that that kind of stuff would change simply because of Aaron Rodgers. Oh, totally. Well, you're going to learn a lot more about betting, I'm sure, as we continue to have our conversations and stuff. And betting is cool. I mean, one part of it is, yeah, the return on money, of course. But it's it's more about an expression of probability, right? And that's what a lot of bettors are, are numbers guys at, 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 at heart, right? So it's about you know an expression of an out, a potential of an outcome. And that part of it becomes really, really cool when you start digging into the numbers. I'd hate to be too much of a data geek, but uh, I definitely like to, to dig into the numbers a little bit. So... We, you and I can do that together on future episodes of this podcast. For sure. When the NFL awesome. gets going, or even as we get closer, we are definitely going to dig into that a little bit. Awesome. Definitely. Looking forward to it. Um, in the meantime, I just realized I didn't even mention who our guest is off the top. And Ali, you and I are speaking, I don't know, what is it, Thursday morning. I woke up this morning at 4.30 a.m. because I wanted to speak with the uh, men's golf coach over in Tokyo, Derek Ingram, who is in charge of honors and Mackenzie Hughes. So he and I had a little conversation uh, about how the team is doing, which was awesome. He was great. I'm very excited to, to share this conversation. You're a golfing fan, right? You play and watch. And- I do. I do play and watch. I wish I played better. Um, like all golfers, right? All in search of that perfect yes. shot. But no, I do. I do play a lot. And, uh, and I love, I love to watch golf. Uh, it's, it's, uh, my wife is always amazed at the fact that I can sit there and just you know, watch golf for hours at a time, but I find it uh, amazing. I'm looking forward to, to, to hearing this gentleman's insights on on their experience in Tokyo as it relates to golf specifically. I mean, the format of golf in the Olympics is is interesting, right? They have so it is like single. So there's, there's no team; it's single, kind of single stroke play. Yeah. Everyone plays for themselves, but there is kind of a Ryder Cup feel to it, isn't there? Right? There's kind of a U.S. team and kind of Canadian team feel to it, but although they don't necessarily play as a team, I think it's a really cool dynamic. Yeah, it's a little bit strange. Like you said, it's just like a regular major, but there's only, and Derek mentioned this, there's only three winners. So if you're winning, if you're coming in fourth, you don't get anything, right? It's not like the majors where you at least get a little bit of money or whatever. But Absolutely. A little bit different that way, but you're right. You'd think it'd be sort of like a Ryder Cup thing, but it's not. It's sort of every man for himself. So, um, but actually I was going to say too, the Canadian, like golf, that was a heart. There's about six or seven channels. I feel all showing the Olympics. And I was trying to find golf yesterday. I finally found yeah. it. It's on in the evening. So if you want to find it, it's, it's there. It just takes a while, but it's on at a decent time actually. Oh, is it really? Okay, good. I have not seen any golf yet. So I will be, I will be tuning in for sure. I'm, uh, I'm intrigued by the whole Patrick Reed story as well. And the, yes. you know, DeChambeau gets COVID and Patrick Reed shows up on Wednesday. I don't know if you saw, but so he shows up on Wednesday, doesn't play a practice round. And shoots a uh, three under sixty eight 
today, this morning. Apparently, he tied Xander for the uh, lowest American score. So, like that, I know the guy has a bit of a polarizing personality, but you you can't argue with those kind of results, right? Nope, that's Patrick Reed. Nerves of steel. Look, I guess you could absolutely. Say. Looking okay, forward to speaking so, to this guy. Yeah, let's bring him in. Uh, here is Derek Ingram, all the way from Tokyo. Okay, I'm very pleased to introduce our guest for this episode. It is Derek Ingram, coach of the men's golf team over in Tokyo. Of course, that is Corey Connors, Mackenzie Hughes. Uh, Derek is a two-time recipient of the PGA of Canada Teacher of the Year Award, and we are very excited that he is joining us from Tokyo. Derek, what is up? How's it going over there? It's going unreal, and thanks so much for having me on. I feel privileged to be on your pod. <laughs> I'm very happy you're here. We were just saying it is uh, 5.33 over here in Calgary. I woke up at 4.30 because I really wanted you on this show because I love golf and I love uh, how well all the Canadians have been playing lately. Let's, so let's get right into it. You literally just came off the course. Did you not after the first round? I did, yeah. Uh, there was a bit of a rain delay at the end for McKenzie uh, to finish up, so he was off the course for about an hour and a half and had, had two and a half holes to cl- complete. And then it's about an hour from the golf course to our hotel, so it's a bit of, I'm sorry I'm a teeny bit late, but I'm sure, and, and you would have liked to know that yesterday, so you could have got an extra half hour of sleep. But anyway, uh, uh, great to be here and a, a pretty good start for the guys. Yeah, so they both shot 69. They're six shots back. Uh, what is your role now as a coach? The first round is over. You spoke about the delay, the rain delay a little bit. What happens now? Um, what do you do with the players? Well, I mean, on a quick turnover like that, um, it, it's really about recovery and, and kind of quickly reflecting, hey, this is what I did well. What do I want to improve? And then... Uh, it's about recovery and getting ready for tomorrow. And and in some cases, in most cases, if they tee off early, they'll have an hour or two to practice and, and work on some of those things they'd like to do a little bit better or a couple of those things they want to keep doing really, really well. Uh, but in McKenzie's case, it was literally off the golf course, a couple quick interviews and into the van on the way back. In, in Corey's case, he was hoping to practice a little bit after his round, but because of the lightning and the rain, he was unable to as well and just prioritized rest and recovery uh, over that. So that's kind of the role and and tonight i'll go over their stats and i'll chat with them about that on the way to the course in the morning but really you know quickly you have to turn the page natasha you can't dwell on on negatives and you also can't dwell too much on the positive it's a, it was a decent start uh and uh yeah it's it's time to to look forward so the olympics i mean they're kind of just like every other golf tournament but they're also totally different than any other golf tournament how does the preparation change for something like this or does it you know what the guys try and and make it like a normal week on the PGA tour and so try not to over prepare and certainly not try to under prepare you know we're a long way from home and and you know homes in north america for our guys uh, so the time difference as you and i are aware of is is quite difficult but both of them played in the in the open championship which we call the British Open for some reason, but the Open Championship uh, last week with a few days off in between. So they're somewhat accustomed to the time change and um, they want to do really well. I think the biggest difference with the Olympics is, you know, it's it's gold, uh, silver or bronze or bust. You know, really, if they finish fourth or fifth, it's it's not worth anything. There's no money here. It's all pride and you're trying to win a medal for your country. So there's a little bit more pressure in that way, possibly to play a little bit more aggressive, uh, which can backfire as well. So 
maybe a little bit more pressure, but also a unique, unbelievable experience to wear the flag on your chest. And, and really proudly, these guys are doing that. Is there any differences in physically preparing them with the time change and the heat factor, or are they used to that kind of stuff, would you say? They're used to that because, you know, Corey lives down in Jupiter, Florida, and Mackenzie lives in Charlotte. So it does get hot and humid. But yesterday and today was was an extreme, Natasha. It was, I, I think Max said today he probably drank 14 bottles of water on the golf course. And uh, I don't know if this is a PG pod, but you didn't have one P in the entire day. So you think how, uh, <laughs> so just think, I mean, how dehydrated or at least, you know, how hard you're having to work to maintain a hydration level. So uh, there's some things we're certainly aware of because uh, from a performance standpoint, when you start to get a little bit dehydrated, things can go really sideways. Both guys finish strong and, uh, you know, they're really good at taking care of themselves. They're very sophisticated in both their preparation and recovery. So um, should be smooth sailing. I I think I read somewhere that they both had their wives or their girlfriends with them there. Is that right? Yeah, we used a little, first of all, both of them play way better when their families are around. And, this is my uh, question, because I think a lot of the athletes at the Olympics, their families are not there. So does this yeah. help them having having their family around? For sure. We made a conscious decision to, to knowing knowing the players, knowing what they wanted to, from a performance standpoint. It's strictly selfishly from a performance standpoint that uh, we wanted them here. Uh, Corey's wife is pregnant. She's six months pregnant. So, you know, they, they've got an exciting, uh, you know, uh, next three or four months or, or maybe the next 30 years. And in Mackenzie's case, he's got two, two boys at home that uh, grandma and grandpa are, uh, are taking care of, but it's great to have Jenna, his wife here. And so Corey's wife is Mallory. It's it, they're really a big part of the team and, and they know, they know it in golf. It's such a long sport. You know, you, you're at the golf course for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 hours a day. And then you come home and you, you, you kind of want to get away from it, but you got recovery and sleep. So it's, it's been great to have them here. What about the COVID factor? Do you feel it out there? Um, obviously there are a few golfers that had to withdraw because of it. John Rom, Bryson Shambo are, do you feel safe out there? Are there any concerns over that at all? Well, I feel a hundred percent safe. We're, we're all of us are fully vaccinated. Um, but you know, living in Canada and spending a lot of time in the United States and even coming from the UK last week where COVID is, it's not over, but it's, it's improving a lot here in Japan, they're, they're way behind. And, you know, there's, I think they're only at a, you know, 12 or 13 or 15% vaccination rate. And the country is on high alert with COVID. You know, we're testing every single morning. We do a spit test that uh, we have to bring to the golf course that gets analyzed and every single day. And also before I left, I actually, after the open championship, went back home to Winnipeg for a couple days and had to get tested three days in a row at the exact same time of the day, uh, with the PCR test, the one that they, they go up your nose with a very pleasant uh, PCR test. So there's, and, and we have to have masks on just about everywhere, certainly inside everywhere. And they want masks on outside everywhere, except for the players and the caddies. So definitely notice COVID here. The protocols are extremely strict. I don't think the Japanese population as a segment of the population did not, that did not want the games to go on. And so uh, for sure, we're feeling the effects of COVID in Japan. So as an athlete, how do you deal with a distraction like that? You know, the guys are good at that. I guess they've just come off of 18 months of COVID and the PGA Tour was the first 
one of the first, well, it was the first professional sports organization to get going and they really did a nice job of handling it. So they're used to wearing masks and washing their hands and wearing gloves and, you know, social distancing and golf is inherently uh, able to social distance. You're out in 200 acres and there's a hundred people on the golf course. Quite, quite frankly, there might not be a safer place in the world than on a golf course. So uh, there is, uh, but, and the guys are used to it. They, they really are, although they're getting refreshed because it's things have been relaxed in the United States and are starting to be a little bit in Canada. So uh, they're, they're, they're relearning how to be extremely careful and cautious and, and just follow all the rules. Okay, so back to, I guess, more golf talk. Um, the Canadian yeah. teams lately, they are always in the mix when it comes to majors and just events on the weekend. They're always on the leaderboards on Sundays. They're always in contention, it seems. Why the recent surge, do you think? Well, I can only speak to the men's game because I haven't coached our women's team for 12 years. So, uh, And on the men's side, there's, I think the biggest thing, Natasha, is we have strength in numbers now. We have more players in the PGA Tour than we've had ever. And, you know, there's a real Team Canada feel. You know, you've got a, a group or two of guys playing practice rounds, going for lunch or dinner together. The wives are really good friends. And, you know, they're really cheering for each other and pushing each other. You know, they do you think Adam Hadwin wants Corey Connors and Mackenzie Hughes to be beating him in the world rankings? There's no way they want that. So uh, they, they, there's a real like I can't describe it better than there's a real team Canada feel at every PGA tour event. There's a presence and there's a lot of them. And it, you know, it's really a, Hey, I'm going to play unbelievable and I'm going to play. I want to win this week, but if I can't win, I want you to win. And uh, I think that's really, uh, really helped uh, where we are in the PGA tour. And I think it's going to get better in the next coming years. So is there a way, Derek, to get over the hump in terms of winning a major? I mean, if you're, you can be in the top 10 every single Sunday at these majors mm -hmm. and, and everyone gets excited, but sooner or later, you really want to win one of those majors, I would think. How, how do you make that happen? I sound like my boss here, Natasha, but anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's harsh. No, no, there's no question that these guys want it more than the population of Canada does. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really nice to be in position and you have to be in position to get wins and you have to be gaining valuable experience uh, from majors like Corey and Mac and, and Adam have been, you know, getting in the last, you know, two or three plus years and playing great in world golf championship events, et cetera. So, uh, but you know, once, once you start to knock on the door, but you expect to break that door down, it's not easy. There's a lot of good players out there, world-class players, and you have to be a little bit lucky or you have to play not good, but great. You have to play unbelievable and maybe even have a little bit of luck on your side. So uh, that's going to happen. I will bet my life on it, but it's, uh, it's going to take time. We don't know when it's going to happen, but it's coming. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be Corey or McKenzie or Brooke with another one, I'm sure, or maybe many, you know, if it's going to be Hadwin or Taylor Pendrith or, or who Nick Taylor, mm -hmm. you know, there's, you know, it's going to be somebody um, uh, and, uh, I know it's coming, but we have to be patient and, and enjoy some of these really nice finishes that they're having as well. Totally. I love it. I'm here for the ride. I love, yeah. I love watching it. Um, you mentioned, uh, the women, you did coach Brooke Henderson quite a while ago, I think when she was a lot younger, yeah. can you tell us a little bit about that? And, and did you know she was going to be as great as she is? 
you, you know, I coached our women's team for about three and a half years. Brooke had just gotten onto the team in that very last year. And I took her to one tournament called the Spirit International in Texas. And I spent a week with her there. And I, I 100% knew she was going to be, in my opinion, the number one player in the world. Uh, I really believed after watching that week and also coaching the women's game for three and a half years and watching, uh, you know, some of the best players coming up like Lydia Ko and Minji Lee, who just won last week a major, uh, that Brooke was going to be one of them. Uh, and uh, I just couldn't believe how good she was, how and, and super competitive. You know, she's a hockey player playing golf and, you know, she nothing would make her happier than to just, you know, step on your neck with a uh, neck with a pair of skates and and then do it with a smile. Like I just she's such a competitor. So uh but a lot of things had to happen you know she has she's had a great family uh you know dad's been her coach for a hundred years and Tristan Mullally our, our head coach for our women's program really mentored her along for five or six years and and to me that was the difference maker and then uh she is where she is now uh and and getting better so uh it w- I was really fortunate to have that opportunity to coach Brooke and 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 our women's program for for three or four years and I really enjoyed it and could easily have stayed on the women's side for for the rest of my life I had a blast doing it um and but I, like i said i'm just thankful that i had that opportunity and, and made a lot of friendships uh, doing that as well but she's she to me will be the number one player in the world at some point and i think she's going to win multiple multiple majors i hate Funny. to put pressure on people but yeah. <laughs> no no it's all good i love to hear you say that she's so competitive because she she doesn't come across that way right like her demeanor she's i bet her she's so quiet she's so lovely yeah. so it's funny to hear you talk about that fire that she has inside She's ruthless uh, on the golf course, and as a competitor, she she would love to demolish you and take great pride in that, and then shake your hand and say, "Hey, good game after it." But uh, I remember her telling me she was a hockey goalie, and this is one super quick story I could probably tell you a few, but about Brooke is she asked me, you know, after that tournament a little bit later on, she said, "You know, a lot of people are telling me that I should quit hockey and just focus on golf in the winter, and what do you think I should do?" And I said, well, do you love hockey? She goes, I absolutely love hockey. And I play, I think it was either double A or triple A, the higher, highest level. And she told me the only, she was a goalie and they only had one goalie in our team. So I said, well, you know, you get a ton of action. You get to play every single game. You love to compete and play. And, you know, you're living in Canada. It's a long winter. What are you going to hit balls into it at your garage for, for five months? And I said, no, don't quit hockey. Uh, don't quit other sports. That, that time's going to come where it's going to be forced upon you. But certainly don't do that at 13 or 14. And so, so, so she didn't. And I, I think it was a couple of years after that she quit hockey. But I was, you know, I think that's, you know, it's really good advice for any young male or female in Canada growing up. That, yeah, golf, because those sports are going to complement golf. Uh, mm-hmm. Like hockey and badminton, they're all complementing golf. The competitiveness and the athleticism, uh, if that's a word I just made up, they, they complement golf. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's one quick story about Brookster. I, I didn't realize she played hockey. That's that's good. Good story. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, no, how about nice. yourself? You played on tour for a couple of years. Do you miss it? Yeah. Uh, I love to compete. Uh, and uh, I love the game. I love to play the game. Uh, but no one pays me to play anymore. Uh, <laughs> and uh, certainly that's a good thing because I'm not particularly good anymore. But no, I, 
I, I miss playing and competing a little bit, but I love what, doing what I'm doing. I'm, I'm a real people person. I care about other people's goals, probably a little bit more than mine. I'm really invested in the athletes I coach and I'm a, you know, I'm a relationship first person. Uh, obviously uh, I believe there's, you need to be constantly educating yourself and getting smarter and becoming a better coach and learning to help your athletes. But I also believe that uh, until you have a deep relationship with somebody that it's really going to be difficult to have an impact. And so I try and work on that as well as uh, helping them with their game. And, and so, you know, no, I found my calling and uh, I couldn't be any happier doing what I do. And I do really feel it's a, a privilege to, to be where I am and do what I do. Awesome. So I, I heard you wrote a book here. And I ordered it on Amazon. <laughs> I'm holding it up here for people who can't see, obviously, with the podcast. Sports Psych for Winning Golf. So I ordered it from Amazon. It came late, so I didn't get a chance to read it. I got it last night, but I flipped through it. And the first chapter I went to was chapter seven, nervousness and tension. Know how to control them. And I was reading about a thought-stopping routine. Do you remember that part? Does that work? Yeah, because yeah. I get so nervous when I golf, especially when I'm golfing with strangers. Yeah. And I just got to get out of yeah. my head and I don't know to do it. So how to do it. So help me, Derek. Yeah. Well, quickly, uh, thought stopping, like, you know, when it gets away from you, when it's built, you know, you can't stop thinking about it. You have to something to, to bring you back super quickly, whether it's pulling hairs out on your arm, or if you have an elastic, if you have an elastic and you snap your elastic band your arm, on your wrist, really, really super hard. If you actually are a Tiger Woods fan, you'd see many of his majors, he wore an elastic on his wrist and uh you know was, was using this technique of okay. thought stopping and so so the idea is to quickly kind of shock yourself to to you know stop with the negative stuff or the nervousness and tension and then have a game plan in, in place you know breathing i mean you're, you're on tv how could you be nervous in the uh, golf course you're on I, tv your whole life I, i'm terrified so, on the golf course i need help yeah it's different you need to keep TV. those no those same strategies that probably allow you to be magical on tv will help you focus and relax and and uh, play your best golf so uh you know so having a, something to stop your thoughts from you know focusing on nervous intention and then having a game plan to, to deal with that is really key okay and by the way all the players here have those you know have those and there's a cool other new book i should be just recommending my own book uh called uh where is it oh it's called uh, chatter and uh it talks about uh, you know, one of the one of the thoughts thought stopping methods is to, to use your own name. Hey, come on, Natasha. What do I want to do here? Hey, Derek, what's the game plan here? Oh, what should I be focusing on right now, Natasha? So, you using your name really is another great way to to stop that nervousness and tension and get you focusing on the right stuff. I'm I'm golfing tonight, so I'm going to use that tonight for sure. I love that. That's a good tip. Okay, last one for you, and then I'll get you out of here. I hear that you are a huge Winnipeg Jets fan. <laughs> when are the Jets going to win the Cup? What do you think of your team? Well, I, first of all, I am a huge hockey fan, Natasha. That's why I feel like I've known you for years. Uh, we'd sit and watch Sports Center with my two boys and my wife, and my wife loved you the best. Uh, but anyway, we just love watching sports on TV. And so, uh, anyway, we just made two sick additions with uh, Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt. Yes. And we needed that. We, yeah, we needed to help on defense. And I think those are two gigantic moves for the team. So, uh, I don't know if it's going to be next year, but it's going to be in the next three years. <laughs> I think they're, close. 
I know I'm right there with you. I think they're close. I am always a fan of the small market teams. Um, so I'm a, I'm a small Jets fan after my Oilers. So I think you're right. I think they've got a lot of good pieces in place, so it'll happen. Okay, Derek, thank you so much. This was totally worth waking up at 4.30 a.m. for. 100%. Thank you so much for joining me. That was awesome. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. It's it's my pleasure, and uh, good luck with the podcast. I uh, I'm already a huge fan, and looking forward to hearing more really cool guests. Thank you so much, and uh, good luck the rest of the way in Tokyo. Have fun out there. Appreciate it. Cheers. Okay, so huge thanks again to Derek Ingram for joining us all the way from Tokyo. I can't believe we can do these things. Literally, you just plug in your little computer and talk to somebody on the other side of the world. Um, but it was awesome to have Derek join us. And I seriously, Al, I need to try the thought stopping routine or the name <laughs> on the course because I get so nervous out there. I like the like the name thing I think might work. Natasha, what are we doing here? Natasha, what's happening? Just to like slow myself down. I think that could work. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not so sold on the, the name part of it because I yell at myself way too much on the golf course I think already after you know okay. one of those bad shots but the thought stopping with that the little elastic band around the wrist thing that uh, I could see how that works I mean I, I as many bad shots as I hit I think I'll be inflicting quite a bit of pain on myself but uh, I may give that one a shot and see I think it's uh I mean I'm, I'm excited to, to, to check out Derek's book actually um so I will be hopping on Amazon a little bit later and uh and, and grabbing that for myself all right Golf, I love it in the Olympics. That's what I'm going to be watching tonight if I can find the proper channel to watch it on. Um, so that's it for us, I think, Al. Thanks for doing this again. I appreciate it. Thank and you, Natasha. Thanks to everybody who's listening. We will talk to you next week. See you again. You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanashevsky. Come on!